Welcome to the Marketing Growth Podcast. I'm your host, Shane Barker, and I have with me Ryan Wellmans, the CEO and co-founder of SoPro, a company that provides prospecting as a service. On today's episode, Ryan will talk about his company, how they're helping businesses get qualified prospects, and how he grew his company. If you need help with prospecting and lean generation, my team of marketing and sales experts can help you reach out and engage targeting leads using content marketing, email marketing, social media marketing, and other channels. For more information, check out my website, shanebarker.com. That's S-H-A-N-E-B-A-R-K-E-R.com. What's going on, buddy? How are you doing? Hi, Shane. Really good over here. Thanks. Uh, Yeah, great to be with you. Big fan. Yeah. Yeah, well, I appreciate it, man. I know we've been going back and forth and between scheduling and everything else, we were able to to get you on here. I know you've been been staying busy over there. You guys have been building uh, quite the machine over there. I'll tell you, you guys are uh, doing big things and I don't, I don't want to jump in too early, but I, I have, I started looking into what you guys were doing and thought, man, this is a guy we got to have on the podcast. And so here we are today. So I'm, I'm excited about it, but I, before we jump, like fully jump in and, and learn about what you guys are building over there, I like to get to know a little bit about the, the founder or co-founders, right? And in the situation, you're the CEO and co-founder. So give me a little, a little background here. So where did you grow up, Ryan? So, yeah, I'm over in the UK and yeah, grew up south of England. So this is a little village that nobody's ever heard of. A town called Faygate, must be about 100 or so houses, a couple of fields, a bit of woods and, uh, and not much else. So, yeah, that's a, it's a kind of rural English countryside setting. And um, yeah, moved down, I've been, you know, been around the world since, but uh, yeah, I'm not too far from there now. I'm just over in Kent. I'm just about an hour away from where I grew up now. So um, I'm just outside of London. So I'm curious, how many people like were in like in your high school? In my high school, that's probably about a thousand. Oh, okay. Okay, gotcha. So so you guys had other counties and stuff, so it made for a bigger high school. I just didn't know if you had like seven people in your high school or something. So I gotcha. (laughs) We we pulled in from other counties. Yeah, Uh, I think we, we probably hit. I was it's about an hour's bus ride, I think, to my school. Um, ah, there we go. Yeah. So that's it. So you guys got busted, and that makes total sense. So, and then how big was your family growing up? Yeah, medium size. So I was, so to start with, I was one of two twins. And then about 14 years later, we got a, another brother added to the pot. So three boys in the house. And uh, yeah, as you can imagine, things kind of get, get a bit competitive in that, that sort of landscape. Of course, of course. So it's probably the reason why you're pretty competitive today. I have to assume. So you have a so you have a actually a twin brother, like a like a bilod, like twin twin. Oh, I do have a and and it's a there's a couple of different types. You got fraternal and you have got monozygotic, where you are genuinely identical, and it's the latter. So we are very very similar, and yeah, it still blows people away. You kind of get the mannerisms, and people do a double take, and uh, yeah, even yeah. I mean. You know, nearly 40 years later, we don't look, I, I, I would say we don't look anything like each other, but still, you know, but I think everybody else does. You guys ever have any fun with that? Playing games with anybody, switch <laughs> classes, do anything fun? I mean, it's got to be yeah. something. Yeah, not the really, not, <laughs> not the really funny stuff, but um, we did a bit of that at school, um, you know, switching lessons and, and stuff. Yeah, um, yeah he, he always used to get me in trouble, so it's a kind of put a stop to that, but yeah you, 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 there's a lot of fun to be had as a as a twin actually i bet i bet yeah that's interesting so i think you'll be the first person i've interviewed that actually has a a, a twin so that's awesome that's good news we'll we'll mark that down on the podcast that's that's official um what about any interesting facts growing up anything fun so a little bit of a smaller town you got a twin brother anything else 
Yeah, big zero from Faygate, I'm afraid. Um, yeah, racking my brains. <laughs> there is, there is, so maybe, that, maybe that's the interesting thing about it. That was it. Nothing, that was nothing it. has ever happened in Faygate. Um, <laughs> except except you, you got out of there, and I'm sure when you go back, you must be famous now. They're like, look at Ryan's back in town, you know? And they're like, wait a second, is that Ryan? What's your brother's name? Tyler. Tyler. So is that Ryan or Tyler? Okay, gotcha. But well, you come back in, that's awesome. And yeah, then what about... Yeah, you, you laugh, but they would actually, they would actually not know. And that, that is hilarious. I love that. So, and then where did you go to college at? So I went to University of Sussex down on the South Coast. And uh, that was in Brighton, UK. So a, a good introduction to Brighton, actually. And, I, and, and actually Brighton has played a, a bigger part in my life ever since. Um, and I, you know, I've lived there on and off and actually where, where Sobro is headquartered as well. Um, but I was, um, so I was studying computer science with artificial intelligence back in, cool. I think I was class of 2000, if you do the maths on that. So, um, yeah, and then kind of lived in Brighton and you know, stayed in the area more or less ever since. I've done stints in, in other places, lived in India for a bit, um, which was good fun. But uh, yeah, now I'm, I'm yeah, not too far. That's awesome. And so, and your, God, your major, so this was in 2000. That was like... That was when it just had to have been coming out with your major. Like that couldn't have been anything that had been around for a long time. Yeah. And, you know, we were kind of obviously getting into coding. I mean, you know, Java was a hot new thing back then. Um, what were we doing? We were doing the theory of, of artificial intelligence. Is, is it possible for a machine to, I think it was the, what is it? I think it was the Turing test. The hot debate was whether a, a, a machine would ever be programmable to pass the Turing test. Um, I think the, I'm not sure if that one's been settled now or whether the, the argument goes on, but yeah, certainly the AI side was, was just coming out. It was a toss up between AI or cybernetics, I think at the time, which was the other, the other hot property. Um, but yeah, I went there and actually I think Brighton probably <laughs> was the carrot that, that, that swung that decision in the end. Yeah, that makes sense. And then what was your, what was your first job out of college after you, you know, after you went and got the degree? So I, I actually landed in, <laughs> and, and I'm going to let you into let you into a secret here, <laughs> like it or not. The uh, so I I left university um, with I, I I wasn't into coding to be honest. I, I, you know, it's it's not for everybody. And um, two years into that course, I just it was a very vocational degree, and I decided I was not put on this planet to type out code. And uh, yeah. yeah, so I got into sales and. My first trial out of uni was door-to-door sales. Um, and this was, this was terrible because I was, we were knocking on doors around South London, selling membership to golf clubs, uh, local gym membership um, for cash. Um, and you, I just, you can just imagine the, the success rates of a vacation like that. It was <laughs> pretty hard to believe. But... Um, yeah, character building, soul destroying. Um, yeah, it's all galvanizing stuff, isn't it? But yeah, I, that was that was what I found myself doing first. Didn't do it for long. A number you, of weeks, I think, I managed to stick that out. So it's funny. So I did. This was year, years ago. I decided I was like, I'm going to learn a little coding. You know, I've hired enough people. I'm like, I feel like I should like get my feet wet. Yeah, it was about a a two month course that I was taking, and after about two weeks, I looked at the instructor and I was like. I got to get out of here. Like, I don't know why my brain, like when it comes to coding, you just have to have that brain of like, Hey, I'm ready to take this thing on and go find that one dot or that slash that's messing up all my code and then go in and figure that out. 
I wasn't built for it. I realized I don't pay my coders enough is what I realized after I took that class. That was like a sobering moment for me. I was like, I was like, okay, I, I, this was, so yeah, I'm with you. It's, it's one of those things that is like, either you get it or you don't. And, and or, I mean, you can learn it obviously, but it's either some people just naturally get it for me. I was like, plus I had my own businesses and I was already doing tons of stuff. So I didn't have like tons of free time just to like, you know, go get an, a, uh, you know, somebody to help me to, to learn that all. So that's, you know, that, that's kind of crazy, but. Well, I'm, the, I'm very fortunate to have a, a technical co-founder at SoPro and, um, and, you know, shout out to our, our founder, Rob. He can code in, I don't know what the count is now, maybe 35 different languages. And, you know, just just brilliant on that front. But I know he certainly never had, had, a, had a coding lesson in his life. And I think it's one of the things, I, we've had this conversation before. And I think he would say, if you if you need to have lessons, then it's probably not for you. Because the, 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 the real superstar coders, they're... They live and breathe this, and you know it's a it's a pastime, it's a hobby, it's it's fun, it's what they do when they're not working, um, you know. You'd, and 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 the idea of being taught it is a uh, it just just yeah. doesn't really mold. Well, I know I know it didn't work on my my front, boy. I went in there and I was like, I feel like I got whooped up and walked out of there with a bruising. I was like, man, I I just can't keep doing this. this is, and plus, I feel like I'm holding everybody else back because they're looking at me like he's never going to get it. This this poor guy is not going to make it out of here. And I was like, I don't think I'm going to make it out of here. Um, the other thing about your door-to-door -door sales. So I also did some calling, you know, call center type stuff that I hated, absolutely hated it. But I feel like it helped me as a salesperson. I'm sure that door-to-door -door and just being told no all the time and trying to figure out, hey, what is that angle now? You know, it's like, I mean, obviously what you guys do now is lead generation, you know? Um, and I think just having that background of, of getting the psychology of being told no all the time and, you know, trying to be able to figure out, you know, how do you sell things different? And how do you do things differently? Was probably a great foundation for you. I think there are there are so many lessons you can learn from doing a, a real kind of diverse mix of, of roles. And I've and you know, I don't mind admitting I've done some of the most menial um and sort of simple roles over the years in university holidays and you know, whether that's packing boxes in freezers or um you know pills in pharmaceutical production or um you know whatever it might be. And I think yeah, and, and I've also done the call center side. And, and, and yes, some roles there, there, there's a, an element of, of repetitiveness that is, is not going to be suitable for it. And then there's, there's so much, I think there's, A, it teaches you that, you know, because I, I look back quite fondly on most of those scenarios. Um, and yeah, so, so satisfaction is definitely possible in more or less any, any role environment if it's done properly and if the employer um, kind of configures the working day in the right way. And, that, you know, it, it's not, um, yeah, just, and it gives you a sense of kind of what is, what is possible and what isn't. Um, when yeah. you start to build, you know, building a business and you start to construct sort of role types and job descriptions, and you can understand actually, um, you know, kind of limits on what people might want to do or not, and what would be an interesting role. And and you've just had a, if you had a, a you know, a bit of experience in doing um, a whole variety of of different roles at you know different levels of seniority as well, I think you're better able to do that just from drawing from your own experience. Yeah, agreed. I think that's what it is drawing from your own experience. I, like I said, when I was in the call center, I hated it. Absolutely hated it. But I realized that I learned so much during that short period of time. I just, once again, there's just so many things that, that played out later on that I was like, wow, that was foundational. I was actually glad that I did it. I wasn't happy at my friend that owned the company that hired me because I, he's like, I need some help. And I did this and I was like, oh, this is terrible. But anyways, so I want to talk about SoPro. So how did you guys, so how did you guys come up with the idea to start it? Because you guys have been around for what, probably about seven, eight years now? Yeah, so we, well, I think pretty much um, wherever you go in the world, and I think, you know, this is going back all those years ago, but it's, st it's still true in a lot of places, uh, a lot of places, wherever you go, big businesses, small businesses, 
um, you know, pretty much every sector. Um, B2B sales in particular, it's just, it's been broken for a long time. And what you see, you just see salespeople doing the wrong stuff quite a lot. So salespeople, the, the, you know, the kind of salespeople that, that, that we're surrounded by at SoPro, they're, they're fantastic at pitching, proposing, closing, negotiating, you know, that kind of the high value um, top of the sales funnel where those kind of live interactions are, are, are you know, that, that's their skill set. And their skill set is not necessarily CRM administration or um, searching the internet for the next opportunities or looking for contact details or doing the, you know, getting the kind of repetitive um, introductory messages out or making calls. Um, you know, but, but actually, if you look at the distribution of time, 80% of their time is being spent doing that, that stuff that they're not yeah. very good at. And they're only spending a little bit of their time every day doing this pitching, you know, proposing and closing. So that was, that, that, and that still is the situation. But if you think the, the importance of that part of anybody's business, you know, I mean, you know what kills more businesses than, than anything else? It's, it's lack of revenue, insufficient revenue to meet costs. And where does it come from? Lack of customer traction is, the, is going to be the primary cause of that. So, so solving this is, is so important, particularly for smaller businesses. Um, so, yeah, so it's crazy when you think about it, but that was what we, 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 we knew that if we could solve or go some way to solving that, there'd be huge demand for it, more or less everywhere. So what we set out to do was map what would be, in our opinion, this, what would be an unimprovable um, B2B sales process. If you had access to all of the data in the world, all of the people, the technology, the processes, um, you know, everything that you, you could possibly want to do. Um, and you know, we put that together as a, as a sequence. I think it, but, you know, back then it was about um, nine or 10 steps. You know, first of all, you would build your customer profile, then you're going to source a list of the companies, and then you're going to go to the, find the right job titles in those companies. Then you're going to source the contact details, and then you're going to put together, you're going to want a personalized message one-to-one -one going out to each one of them. Um, you know, and actually you probably want to do a, you know, a follow-up or a couple of follow-ups, you know, really it's an engagement sequence that you'd put them through. Um, mm -hmm. You'd need a, you know, an incredible sort of visibility into the, uh, the performance of your, of your campaign, you know, segmentable by industry or by company size bracket or by job title. So you could, you could quickly refine and retarget based on what was working and what was not working. Um, you know, and all these things that, that go into it, um, put that together as a kind of broadly speaking manual um, set of processes and quickly knocked up some marketing collateral and a couple of slides on a, on a, on a sales deck. Um, it put that, you know, dipped our toe in the market with that proposition. Um, and this is going back, yeah, you're right close to seven years ago now. Um, and very quickly we were, we were kind of pulled in toe first. Um, and, and there was there was a lot of traction very quickly, and we used the service. Uh, we uh, you know we did it. Then we were practicing using it to, to to get our first sales meetings. And I mean we've been using it ever since. We've been our own biggest customer ever since. And it was it's great. It's a good um, a demonstration of the, uh, of the of the model as well. Because actually, well, how do I know it works? Well, you know, we're we're sitting here <laughs> talking about it, and I contacted you in this way. Um, so yeah, that, that was the, the the idea came about. Well, trying to solve B two B sales, what would it take? Um, and we we put that process together in a manner that could then be um, packaged up on a, on a and effectively offered on a per prospect basis 
um, in a scalable way to businesses. So if they'd want us to engage with a thousand prospects a month or two thousand prospects a month, or you know, depending on the size of the sales team or size mm-hmm. of the market or whatever, you know, and, and, and that we could easily then just um, you know scale up and down against a, a fairly consistent uh, outreach model. Um, and 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 really, that's the the, the principles of the SoPro um, outreach service haven't really varied um, significantly from that point. We've got all manner of technical improvements and enhancements, and um, you know, it's, there's loads of cool stuff in there now that we probably never even thought possible back then. But yeah, in, in in principle, we are still identifying and engaging with new prospects um, on behalf of, of of businesses to power their sales pipeline. Yeah, I love that. I mean, I, I've always, my thing with my clients, I always tell them you got to outsource it or automate, right? Like you got to look at like, how do you get somebody else to do something that you don't want to do that you're probably not that good at? And I think that's exactly what you guys do. You guys help automate that. I mean, you guys, it's right there. It's just sell more with a daily flow of qualified leads. Like who doesn't want that? Like at the end of the day, it's like, if you don't have qualified leads, guess what? You're not going to have a business if you don't, you know, get that, 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 that residual, those people that keep coming in. So you guys are, what's interesting to me, you guys put, you guys are a fully compliant email services company. So what exactly, um, obviously I know what full compliance means, but what do you, I mean, there's obviously that's something you guys are really very, very proud of, right? Obviously you guys aren't spamming anybody doing anything funny. Um, tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, so I think um, the compliance is, uh, it's just a bit of a housekeeping point, to be honest. And it's not something we necessarily um, lead on in, in, in our sales process. Yeah. Um, I think people are increasingly aware of, I mean, particularly in the UK and Europe, you know, around us, we've got the GDPR, which has come in yeah. um, fairly recently. Uh, and then that's increasingly on the mind of businesses in the US, for example, that are prospecting into the UK, because it does, you know, that activity falls under jurisdiction of local regs. Um, and then likewise, local businesses prospecting to other countries where they're not quite sure what the local compliance measures might uh, requirements might be so yeah it gives a, there's a bit of peace of mind but actually you know compliance is, really isn't what's driving campaign yeah. performance um and and yeah so so we position ourselves as a sales engagement platform um and that's you know from a technology stack perspective that is what we are i think the big difference with sopro is we are a service we're a fully managed service so mm. it's a platform but it comes with a driver and that means you're, the, the, the difference there is, I think everybody can, and we're often, um, you know, we, we compete against um, sort of lower cost platform solutions where, you, you know, you basically would have somebody in your team or a number of people responsible for um, driving an outreach strategy through a platform. And those are going to have degrees of sophistication or degrees mm-hmm. of functionality. Um, not every business is expert in doing that or has the right resource. It can be quite expensive. You, you know, quickly, you know, you're employing a team of people to run your platform. Yeah. Are, you, are you really saving, you know, yeah, eight hundred dollars a month or whatever you thought you were saving? Um, no, you're not. You're actually spending an extra five or ten thousand. Um, so yeah, th- th- that's that's the big difference. There, and there are very few um, competitors out there uh, that, that take this approach where it's just everything is done for you. Um, and we, we've got, you know, our, our guys are the best in the business. Um, you know, we're, and that's from, you know, drawing from their own experience, putting insight into your campaign before it even starts, making sure it's set up um, in the right way. The optimization of, um, approach that then takes place once the campaign's running, you know, weekly, monthly review of those stats and what, you know, the tweaks that need to go in to improve it for month two. I mean, we, we regularly double performance from month, um, from month one to month two 
just by looking at the end of the month performance and switching off segments that are under, underperforming relative to others and um, you know, doubling down on the, the segments that are delivering the results. And, and it's, it's, it's so simple to, to say, but you, you know, most businesses, when they're doing this sort of stuff internally, they just don't have the, you know, the experience or resource or, um, somehow, or sometimes the tools to, do, to be able to do that. Well, and sometimes I think the issue with some entrepreneurs is like they look at something and they go, oh, I could, we could probably do that. We could probably do that. Like they're not taking into consideration that the seven years of experience and the different software stacks and the different things you guys have gone through to get there. And so you're really buying into knowledge. Like I look at that as, because I, when I was a younger entrepreneur, I'd be like, oh, I could build that. I can do it. You know, I can just, my team can do the same thing. And then all of a sudden I'm eating crow and I'm going, God, I should have just hired them. Right. Like, so that's where in my mind, the outsource and automate come into play because I just go find somebody that's smarter than me, which is not extremely difficult to do. And I look at certain pieces and I go, I could go figure that out. It could take me two years or five years or whatever that number is. Or I could just have somebody that already knows what they're doing. And I don't have to worry about that, my about that piece of my business. So um, once again, I'm with you. So if there's any entrepreneurs that, you know, that, that have gotten a quote from SoPro and say, Hey, I think I can do this on my own. Uh, good luck. I, I want to, I'm hoping that you can, but I'm pretty sure that seven years of experience and what you guys have built um, is not something that can be figured out within a month or two months time. So um, I want to talk about like what you guys have built, man. Like, I think we, we haven't talked about numbers yet, but you guys are, you guys are what a $10 million company. Yeah, we're, we're, we're probably a bit past that now. We're, yeah, I think we're on track for about $14 million uh, this year. Um, close of, yeah. We're just uh, coming to Q4 now. So you got to be doing something right. You got, I mean, you don't, you don't get up to 14 million in seven years without driving some qualified leaps for people. So what was your strategy? Well, like, what was your, what did you guys do to be able to grow that fast? I mean, it sounds like you obviously seven years ago, you guys said, Hey, this thing's broken the B2B space. And you guys jumped in there and you said, Oh shoot. Okay. Now we're knee deep in this thing and we got to figure it out. And you guys have. Yeah. I think there's, there's almost two questions in that is one is, you know, what are we doing prospecting wise? You know, to, you know, why is this this um, way of doing outreach so effective? Um, and I think there's 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 so many um, points that go into that. You know, the, the, the approach, the steps, the the, the tech. The um, you know, we 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 basically we obsess about every um, conversion rate in the in the journey, right? You've got I mean, and it goes from you know, your email delivery, right? No, even before your email delivery rates. So the prospects that we can identify, what percentage of those are we able to find emails for? Right. Then of those, what percentage are we able to deliver emails for? So, and if we can, um, a huge success for our operations team recently was increasing um, email find rates by about two percent. Right, mm. and it's just it's, that sounds like such a tiny increment, but you wouldn't believe yeah, the, the the impact that that has, and doing that incrementally, time and time again, on every single one of these, you get these kind of marginal gains that compound up to be huge multipliers of, of increased performance you know we know how to get your open rates up with subject lines that are appealing that are, that don't you know that are nothing like a, a marketing email you know we know how to get your emails into a high percentage of emails into inbox by um you know we, we we've got an email awesomeness checker that every email gets checked through uh, before it goes for awesomeness and it does stuff like um it, it checks all the words for the the, the words that the junk and, and sort of spam filters are looking for like free cash and you know i don't know um, you know medical supplies and the kind of stuff that, that, that ends up in your spam and because some of those words often unexpectedly do get used and people are why am i not getting into the inbox and oh right you've got this word yeah and you know that, that's uh, it, it, it's obvious when you see it but 
Um, and we go through, you know, from to, you know, open rates to, to response rates. How are you getting response rates? Well, you know, we do the messaging um, and we know we do the messaging for all of our clients. Clients are great. They've usually got really good marketing copy, um, but it's and it sits fantastically well on a website, but it's not always the description of your product or your service that you would put in, a, in an email introduction to somebody. Because if you because if you think about it, that email is you know, the job of your email is to say is to, is to get a meeting locked in, right? Um, it, it is not to sell a product or service. So to go into features or benefits or special offers or anything like that, just we you know rip it up and right. I'd love to have a chat. I'm just around the corner from you. Let's grab a coffee next Thursday. I really think we can help with this. Um, you know, that's the kind of note that is going to get is going to get responses, um, but done in a personalised way. Drop a few kind of personalised points in there as well. Um, and yeah, so so yeah, we've we've got this kind of obsession with every point in the prospecting journey that's just kind of compounded over seven years to be a, a fantastically effective and actually quite well. Um, you know, most of our clients come through referrals now, so we've got quite. Uh, relatively um, strong foothold in the space as a result. Um, but I don't think that necessarily helps you scale a business, which was your re really what your question was uh, getting at, was how do you get to you know, $14 million with a prospecting service? And that comes from being a tech firm. So a lot of our, so our clients get an agency experience, but actually in, in practice, we're, we're a tech firm with 45 developers that have been building systems that enable teams of real experts to handle multiple campaigns through a framework of campaign delivery that systematically ensures that every single step gets done on time in a you know in, a, in an absolutely bulletproof format. And yeah, when you think um, so, we've got let's say let's say right you know, today we're we're running six hundred client campaigns um, as it stands, more or less the, the right number today. Um, each one of those campaigns will have potentially four stages of messaging. Um, mm -hmm. Message one, message two, message three, message four, which will all be going out on the same day to, to people that are in different stages of engagement. Yeah. You know, the, just the sequencing challenge for delivery of that volume of oh, yeah. and the personalization that goes into all of those. It's a hugely technical process at scale. Um, so, yeah, the, the, really, you've got to be a tech firm to, to undertake that sort of scaling challenge. What I'd love to say, you said you're obsessed. You guys are obsessed with conversion, right? And you guys are just making these little teeny tweaks, which is kind of what people think, oh, it's not that big of a deal, but it really, that makes it so you go in a certain direction and certain direction, certain direction. And all of a sudden you get it to a point where you're like, hey, this is what, this is why we made these little tweaks, like getting a car to run. Got to kind of change this, add this, add a little oil here. And next, you know, you got this nice running machine and I'm sure every business is a little different. So um, once again, I love that. I love obsession. I think that that is the key term when I got out of that was like, you guys are obsessed with, you know, once again, getting qualified leads for people and what you need to do there. So what is, what's the end game for SoPro? What do, what do you got? I mean, is there any, you know, can you tell me, is it, you know, Hey, we want to sell out in 10 years or is it like, Hey, we want to take over the world. You want to buy Salesforce or, I mean, what, what are we looking at? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, we're going to pick up a couple of uh, multi-billion dollar acquisitions. Um, uh, okay. So yeah, I can set it out and so we see a market and uh, yeah, unfortunately it's probably not the exciting, you know, we're going to get to this point and sell or anything like that. You know, really, this is, this is a, I think we almost have a, a, a almost a duty to, to, to take this prospecting model to as many people as possible. It, it's so effective. So we see a, a doorstep market for us, which is UK, Europe, and the US, which is where most of our clients come from. Um, mm -hmm. 
we can see 10 million businesses, just over 10 million, that fit the profile of a SOPRO client. This is B2B sector, right size brackets. And so 10 million businesses, if we're the right solution, conservatively speaking, we want to take 1% of that market share. So that's 100,000 clients. So we've got 600 clients on the books at the moment. We've got a long way to go to get to 100,000. Now, the challenge, as you've probably already guessed, is if we're, we're, we're a 200-person company at the moment, 600 clients, so you're talking about a ratio of roughly three to one clients mm-hmm. to people. So hang on, I'm going to get to 100,000 clients. I'm going to have 33,000 employees <laughs> in the business. I'm going to you know, be acquiring you know, new facilities every two and a half months. It, it, you've got these sort of practical ceilings operationally to actually achieving that kind of scale. So for the last two years, we have been developing a fully self-service SaaS platform, um, effectively a self-drive version of SoPro, which is an interesting take considering the earlier conversation around, you know, we're the platform with a driver. Um, And it's it's a, really it's our take on delivering that platform in a manner where Actually, all of the all of the, the things that make the difference that SoPro do, like for example, we do the messaging for every campaign. You know, a SaaS platform is never going to be able to write your emails, mm-hmm. but this one comes with an integrated writers portal with for, uh, your selection of experienced freelance writers that have got ratings and feedback, and mm. you know, literally, you know, and, and then actually your your uh, messaging template requests are fulfilled within the platform. So, you know, and, and we're taking a similar approach to solving all of the other channels where. Um, challenges where where actually a person um, is required and does make a difference and yeah that's going to be that's how we solve this scaling problem because at mm. the moment there's no real limitation you know our so our, our, our scalability is, is really restricted by the rate that we can hire people to service our client our growing client base um it's not sales itself so that's um that's what we're doing just effectively uh, the addition of a complementary um product channel within them in the mix and yeah it's a march to a hundred thousand clients and then ask me the question then yeah awesome well, there we go hopefully you'll probably be on some exotic island or something and then we'll do another podcast of you you'll be all <laughs> tanned up drinking a pina colada or something like that and be like shane it it happened we got there and we just sold two salesforce for three billion dollars so um, i'm looking forward to that day i'm looking forward to that day so thanks listeners i hope this helped you learn about prospecting and email sequences On my next episode, we'll cover Ryan's entrepreneurial journey along with the challenges and lessons learned. So stay tuned to the Marketing Growth Podcast to learn how SoPro's Ryan Weldman's built several successful businesses. 